0: What is up? You're listening to the 3D Pod. This is a podcast under the Grizzly Bear Blues network of podcasts. You can check us out along with the Starting Five, the Core four, four, GBB Live, and the Long View with Parker Fleming. You can find us on Twitter at 3D Pod. You can find Grizzly Bear Blues online at grizzlybearblues.com and on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at j underscore Timberfake underscore, and I'm joined by none other than Mr. Ben Hogan himself. Man, what's up?
1: It's been a long time. It feels like it's been what, maybe three weeks since we've done that. You've had a, did, if you, you had a baby.
0: Oh, since we've my, last my wife had. A, my wife had a baby.
1: You have yes. You have a new. You have a new child.
0: Yes, uh, she is three weeks old today. You
1: had a baby. Yes. And then yeah. I wasn't all the one after that. And then we didn't do one last week, but congratulations.
0: Thank you. Uh, if those prospective parents out there that want to have two under two, uh, it's, it's a challenge.
1: I just got one and they're difficult enough.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's uh, you got the, the older one wants to, to be in your lap when the other one's in your lap. And then just the going back reverting to the no sleep is uh is no fun <laughs> at all i mean you know what it's like to not have a lot of sleep uh yeah. but uh yeah it's it's been good she's three weeks old she's healthy we can't complain um cool little nugget my son now recognizes the grizzlies logo on the tv and says grizzlies um and he's that's not awesome a, yeah he's 15 months old and he, he points to the tv grizzlies and we're just like i'm like yeah man that's 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 what's up let's go <laughs> let's watch the game <laughs> So I, I can't wait till he's old enough to for me to take him to a game and he kind of understand what's going on. Um but yeah, 3 weeks gone by since you and I've been together at least. Um probably more like 4 since we've been on a on a show together. Uh lots happened obviously. Um I mean, we went from talking about Brandon Clark not being in the rotation to now he's probably been one of the best Grizzlies on the on the season. Uh Ja is now out. Um it's uh, a 500 team. That's what they're predicted to be, and that's what they are. Um, so let's let's yeah, jump in. Back. Yeah, yeah, great. Woo, <laughs> woo.
1: All these things that have happened since we last talked, I just thought there's another one. I know he's your favorite player, so
0: yeah. So let's, let's just jump into Brandon Clark. Um, I I was doing some research. Um, I guess today, and really, I was researching one specific player, you know, one villainous specific player. One uh, Brandon Clark, I'm guessing. It was not. I was not researching Brandon Clark. Um, but in order to build my argument against this other player, I stumbled across a stat that I was not prepared to see. And that was Brandon Clark's offensive rating of 136. The next, the, the best starter, offensive rating-wise, I'll, I'll give you a chance to guess. Who do you think the number one offensive rating player is among the starting lineup? Uh, I'm
1: going to go Desmond Bain.
0: Uh, Desmond Bain would be the third best starter. Uh, the uh-huh. leader in the clubhouse at 118 is Stephen Adams. The much maligned Stephen Adams that everybody wants to make the scapegoat for all of our issues is actually leading in offensive rating amongst the starters. But he is third on the team behind our backup and now starting point guard, Tyus Jones, at a whopping 129. And I think that has a lot to do with his assist to turnover ratio, uh, that he continues to be an absolute stud in that stat category. John Morant comes in at a 114 um desmond baines at 113 kyle anderson all the way down at 108 jaron jackson jr is a 106 the anthony melton's a 101 and Sayer is a 92 hmm. it's rough
1: yeah now you flip it
0: and you go to the defensive rating out of the guys that play in the rotation can you give me the top three players on the team in defensive rating? It's actually a tie for third. So there's four players. The top three, two of them starters.
1: Current starters or?
0: Current starters. Do you know uh, John Morant's not going to be top of the defensive rating?
1: Well, I was uh, well. De'Anthony Melton's not a current starter. That's okay. what I was asking. All right, fair. Um, I guess Jaron Jackson Jr.
0: Number one.
1: Okay. And, um, Desmond, Desmond Bain, hey. Stephen Adams,
0: Stephen Adams, wow. the, one, the one that everybody hates and says it's his fault. We suck because of Stephen Adams. That's not what the stats say. Um, all right. Your two guys off the bench should be easy.
1: Uh, D'Anthony, Melton. Yep. And is it Kyle?
0: It's Kyle. Uh, yeah. so Jaron's at a one twelve, but he's a negative six overall. Uh Melton is at a 113, but he's a negative 12 overall. Kyle Anderson is a uh 114, but he's a negative six overall. And then Steven Adams is tied at 114, but he's a positive four. So your your only positive players uh when it comes to rating are Steven Adams, Tyus Jones, and Brandon Clark. And that's interesting because the eye test tells you that Steven, you know. He's not doing anything spectacular, which we knew. Like, when we got him, he wasn't going to do anything that popped out. He's going to do the right stuff. Now, I will say I was probably wrong about his pick-and-roll defense. Um, It's not been great. But is it a Taylor Jenkins philosophy thing and not a Stephen Adams thing? Because the drop coverage is still there. John Morant struggles on defense they are teams are putting John Steven in a pick and roll and they're shredding it. But Jaron being at a one twelve, he has been the anchor, um, for the, for the defense. And when he's not on the floor, we are a very, very bad defense. But I did see that the number one point of attack defender on our team and like top eight in the league is the Anthony Milton. Um, he's one of the better on ball defenders in the league, the best on ball defender on our team. And then the number one player on our team in help defense and top 10 in the league is Kyle Anderson, which makes sense. As smart as he is uh, playing off ball uh, players, it's, it's looked pretty good, but all this bring it back. Brandon Clark, a plus 21 player when it comes to, to, to rating, what do you think is going on? Like what, why do you think it took so long? Why do you think he was out of the rotation? And what are you seeing? Because you're in the arena for these home games. What are you seeing uh, from Brandon Clark?
1: He's just, he's playing within himself. You know, he's not hanging out around the perimeter. We saw last year, everybody's like, what's up with this shot? And we're not seeing a lot of jump shots from him. He's hanging around the basket. He's getting offensive rebounds. He's getting putbacks. And he always seems like he's there to help the guys. If there's a double team, he's there and he just it it seems like he's back to playing the way he was his rookie season where that was an historic rookie season he's efficient from the field Uh, he's taken one three in the last eight games combined I think that's huge because it seemed like last season he was trying to extend his game extend his range and sometimes you gotta realize that's not your game you want to be the best player you can be do what you're good at and for Brandon Clark that's hanging around the paint, hanging around the rim, getting offensive rebounds and being an athletic guy in there when, when the Grizzlies need him to be.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if with it being such a focus on development last year, if they identified an area of Brandon's game, that they wanted to improve being the perimeter shot and they kind of altered the way that he played within the flow of the game to try to, to expand that part of his game. And it kind of, took him out of what he was best at. Um, I, I agree with you. You see him more in the spots that he was uh, getting to, a lot more in the dunker spot, um, just being Brandon Clark. Um, so that's that's been encouraging. And lineups with him and Jaren together have been really good. Uh, you've always said that, you know, you kind of thought that Brandon and Jaren would be your four or five of the future. You know, maybe Brandon's proven that that's still the case, you know, as, as uh, up and down, as fans are, they've probably gone from untouchable Brandon to trade him to, Oh, he's untouchable again. Um, I don't think that's the case. I would hate to see him go. Um, if, if there's a package down the road for a bigger player, um, but he is looking very, very good right now. And he's going to be an important part of this run that we have coming up that we'll get to, um, you know, you and I mentioned it before the, before the show started that he's only taken 10 threes so far this year. Um, He hasn't hit any, and maybe that's why his number is so low. Um, As a matter of fact, other than Steven Adams, he's the only player on the team that's taking less than a three per game. Um, And that includes guys getting garbage minutes. Tilly, Aldama, and Culver, and Conchar, Tillman. They're all averaging at least one three per game (laughs) when they get in. Um, So I think that's just a testament to Brandon's like, look, this is what I'm best at. This is what I'm going to stick to.
1: And it's crazy to me because I I sit next to Eric, and I'm, I'm listening to the broadcast, and all of a sudden, you know, Brandon Clark's been in there like five, six minutes. Brandon Clark with his 12th point again, I'm like, what? Like, he does it so quickly, you don't even notice it. I mean, you're just like, Clark with the rebound, put back, you know, cool. You know, that, great, you know, second chance points. Or, you know, he he, he gets the bucket because he's in the right place at the right time. But you just, he doesn't do the flashy plays. You get a, you get an awesome dunk every once in a while. But he just doesn't do the flashy plays. He just gets in there and takes care of business. And he's just piling up the points right now. He's efficient again. Two of the last three games, seven of eight from the field. That's incredible.
0: Yeah. So he's, he's tracking around like 16 minutes per game right now. Um, dude, his per 36, obviously, nobody plays 36 minutes in a game is 17 points and 10 rebounds. Like, and that's, that's on like 68% shooting. You would,
1: and his bad games since, Really, since he actually got back into the lineup, I mean, he had there was a stretch there where he had three or four games DNP. I'm sure, they were coaches' decisions for the for the most part. He, I mean, he hadn't been really dealing with any injuries. But since then, like his bad games, the loss to Charlotte, he went one of six. He was one of two against New Orleans, one of three in the 43-point loss to Minnesota, and then O of one in the 32-point loss to Atlanta. I think that's just a lot of like game flow, how the game's going. They're really not looking to him to score. They're taking a lot of threes in those games because they're trying to get back into the game because other games where they trail by a lot. I think they trail by 30 in all of those games. I don't know if they were trailing by 30 against New Orleans, but I know it was in the mid-20s at one point, so they're not really looking to Brandon to get them points. If he's getting a rebound, he's looking to kick it back out because they're down by so much.
0: Yeah, um, I I think I'd like to see He's he's averaging 7.6 per game right now. I'd like to see that get up into the double digits. Uh, his minutes are at 16. I'd like to see that go up as well. Um, I think eventually either Adams' minutes are going to be completely eliminated by trade or they'll continue to kind of tick down and Clark will eat those. Um, so, I, you know, it's encouraging that that is back on track, and we're glad to see it. Um, let's talk about another player. I got a question first. All right. Am I too hard on Dylan Brooks? <laughs> Be honest.
1: You are. You are. <laughs> I know you have a bunch of stats to back up that you're not, to prove that you're not, but, I mean, you you go hard after him. But you know what? At least you're consistent. I've already said I'm on the fence with them. Like, I'm not going – I I can't jump on i – I'm not, like, fully invested in Dylan Brooks Island, but I'm not – at the point where you are, where, like, if you offered a free trip to Dillon Brooks Island, you're going to sell that on, you know, eBay or whatever, Facebook, whatever they do now.
0: The Facebook Marketplace? Yeah. So at the end of last year, I was probably at the point where I was calling my travel agent to look into a uh, tour of Dylan Brooks Island. Not a real estate agent to look at property, just a travel agent to kind of take a tour, to kind of sniff around, see what it's about. You know, maybe have a drink with Parker and Connor while I was there. Um, I have now deleted my travel agent's number and um, <laughs> thrown away the phone that I used and uh, burned the computer. I, I don't. And some of this is just me as a coach as well, like if I had somebody that played like that for me, I, I just wouldn't want, I just wouldn't play him. Like, and I'm going to explain a, a lot of it. I, I will say I completely get the fact that they feed off of his energy on the floor. His energy is needed because there's not really anybody else on the team that brings it other than Jaw. And sometimes job ja just comes out really passive. Dylan is never passive. He's a psychopath. So, I, I get that part of it. I I also get and appreciate the physicality that he plays with. Because that matters. And I and I said on Twitter today that the stat that impresses me the most with him is his free throw attempts have gone up by over a whole free throw per game. And he's shooting it at like 89%. If I can get a Dylan Brooks to continually tack the hole and get to the free throw line and knocking down 90% of them, I'm fine with it. He, we got into a conversation at the end of the year last year that Dylan was great on the catch and shoot from the catch and shoot three from the corner. Had a pretty high percentage of of his threes last year. Um, let's see from the corner. Um, I will just say that it's a lot less this year. He's not shooting that corner three. And then maybe that's because that's where Desmond Bain is kept camped out currently. Uh, I think, you know, Jaron Jackson might float and drift and creep towards the corner as well. Kyle Anderson. Yeah. Like it, maybe the, the corner is just clogged for him. But like, if, if you're a team that looks at analytics and you see that Dylan Brooks is one of the top catch and shoot players from the corner, why would you not create an offense where you exploit that? Because Dylan Brooks, when he has time to take a dribble and shoot a three is not good. Right. When he tries to do a step back, he's not good. And when he hits one of those, it it just infuriates me because I know another one's coming where he's going to not even hit the rim and break the side of the backboard. And then I see him do his stupid patented fadeaway mid-range shot that just makes me want to punch a hole through my brand-new TV. And I, I, why? Like – you saw the offensive progression with him at the end of the year. Now, they, Sean Coleman wants to take me to March. Sean was on my side of this Dylan Brooks conversation before last season, and he he's done a complete 180 on him. And it, I think he does it just to piss me off. I don't even know if he actually believes what he's saying. I think he just knows it's the opposite of me, so he's going to say it.
1: But he's a stats guy, and he has all these stats to back up his argument. So I will, I will say that there is a – When he says something, he does back it up with stats. So I'm here to tell you,
0: I'm here to tell you that he's wrong. Okay. That his stats are wrong because I went and looked at the stats. He's looking at some, some basic box score stuff, whatever. His, his (laughs) argument was that from March of 2021 until now, he's been a better player now. That statistically is true. His offensive rating before March of 2021 was in the 90s. It was god-awful. His efficiency was bad. March was that turning point for him. All right? I, I get that. But you're going to tell me that a 105 offensive rating and a 116 defensive rating is what you want as your starting guard? No
1: just because he's better
0: doesn't mean it's good
1: stopper too but like he's considered a defensive stopper
0: by who by like
1: <laughs> i'm just saying that i that, that's that's his reputation is it not
0: is yeah it not? and it infuriates me when i hear it i hear it on the broadcast i hear uh some of eric's co-hosts say it too like Dylan Brooks, excellent on-ball defender. I'm just like, no, he's not. Like I even texted you one night, and I told you <laughs> to tell him, to shut up. Like that—that's not true. And I and I, I, so I texted our GBB Slack today asking for a uh, basketball index login because I wanted to pull up that point of attack stat because he's not a good point of attack defender. Gary freaking Trent Jr. was blowing by him off the dribble. Jerry, Gary Trent Jr. can do one thing: shoot. But he continued dribbled right past, and then Sean wants to say that only happens 5 to 10% of the time. No, it doesn't. Good perimeter players blow by him off the dribble. His value is when they are in the paint driving and he sticks with them and he's physical with them. His value is chasing them relentlessly and pissing them off and getting under their skin and denying them the ball. Not as an on-ball defender that gets ISOed. Because when he gets ISOed, it's over. It's not a good result when he gets ISOed. Give me D'Anthony Melton, give me Kyle Anderson if we're gonna to have to ISO somebody. Not, not Dylan Brooks. So this e- elite stopper nonsense is ridiculous. And then they want to talk about his his improved shooting. He's still only shooting 32% from three this year. That that's not improved. As a matter of fact, his defensive rating and offensive rating are worse this year than they were from March until April before the playoffs started last year. Now, if you th- if you throw, I told you this earlier, his defensive rating in the playoffs was like a 126 because he got torched by Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Now, part of that is the whole team got torched by, like, a a historic offense. His offensive rating was a 119. Dude went off offensively in the playoffs because Donovan Mitchell can't guard anybody either. It was, a you know, an and-one mixtape tour between the two of them going back and forth at each other. Cool. He's not that guy. Okay? The Grizzlies are 1-0 this year when he is third in, in shots. They are two and four when he is um, a leading shot taker. I told you also last year, he had two months where his efficiency was the lowest. It was 25.7%. So one fourth of the Grizzlies possessions were ended by Dylan Brooks in some way. In those months, they were his highest shooting months. The months where he had the higher usage percentage creeping up to 30 were his worst shooting months this year. He is at thirty-three freaking percent. He ends one third of the possessions on the floor, one third of them with a the tenth best offensive rating on the team. He's ending one third of our our possessions with with a turnover an, an assist or something. He's it's just maddening that that everybody is just so enamored by a player that if he is truly our second best player, we're going nowhere.
1: The thing that frustrated me, I I was texting you about it uh, when it happened was um, when it was him and Jaron starting off the second quarter, like, uh, I guess a couple games ago, or I guess it was a week ago or so, when it was them and Jaron starting off with three of the bench guys. And it just seemed like that was when you need to get Jaron going. And there wasn't a lot of passing going on. Dylan was taking a lot of the shots. And I'm like, Jaron had a great first quarter. Now he's getting frozen out by his own team. And I think that was uh, – what that was uh, – That was a game where
0: Jaron went five for seven in the uh, first half. And Dylan, yeah. Dylan only had two shots, I think, in the first half. Maybe four shots. And in the second half, Jaron had two shots. Went one for two in the second half. He went five for seven in the first. And went one for two in the second half. And then Dylan took – he went two for 12. Dude took 12 shots when Jaron was filling it in the first half.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jaron had Taylor Jenkins also had a questionable. He pulled out Jaron when he picked up his fourth foul. I think that was, that was the Toronto game, which they, they lost the lead. I mean, there was no excuse for that, but again, that, it just felt like that was, you should have kept going to Jaron. Jaron should have had 20 points in the first half. He didn't get 20 points for the game. Like they just went away from him. And I don't understand that. Like Jaron has like, we've, I know we're, I'm kind of shifting from Dylan over to Jaron, but it, it's a, I think it's something that we need to discuss as well. Just real quick, because we talked about how Brandon Clark has changed his game a little bit to where he's just working in the paint. Jaron's done a great job as well. He's focused a lot of his effort into the paint these last few games has been successful. And back to Dylan, he can't keep going. It's in a rhythm, and he just kind of takes it away because he's like freezing out Jaron. I thought that was like feed Jaron, just feed him, just keep feeding him, and they weren't doing that.
0: How many players do you know are ball stoppers on both sides of the floor?
1: (laughs) (laughs) One? Can't name another one.
0: And he's so loved. Like, I I, I get he's probably loved because of his energy, the way that he plays. He endears the Memphis spirit and the grit and the hustle and all that. Like, I'm fine with that part of it. I'm fine with the energy. I'm fine with that part of it. Give me Los Angeles Clippers Dylan Brooks, who was third in the team in shot attempts, shot 50% from the field, and pissed off Paul George. You give me that Dylan Brooks on a consistent basis, you will never hear me say another negative word about him at all. But we've only seen that once this year. That's it. So you brought up that, that rotation point. I think that's a good transition for us to on our last thing we're going to talk about tonight, surviving the next month or so without Morant. And in my opinion, this is the greatest opportunity for the Grizzlies front office and coaching staff to feature and develop Jaron Jackson Jr. And so when you brought up that point where they brought him off the bench together, some people were, you know, this is a good move. You got two guys, bring some offensive punch with the bench. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Keep dealing with Ja and Steven Adams, two guys that you claim are struggling on defense and he's your defensive savior. So why don't you let him run with those two guys and let Jaron still be the leading guy off the bench. I am slightly worried that Dylan's usage will stunt the opportunity for Jaron to be the go-to featured guy that I think we need to see take place. I I believe that what they did against the Kings is, number one, a product of the Kings are just garbage. Um, But number two, I think it's a product of the the Budenholzer-Jenkins system playing as a whole team really shined. And it's going to have to be like that, but Jaron's going to have to be your Giannis in that Boots system that that is featured uh, offensively more than anybody else.
1: What's the pop mentality? I mean, Duncan, and then you have Ginobili and Parker and all these other guys. I mean, that's where they came from. And if you look at it, that's kind of the way it is, it seems like.
0: Yeah, uh, I just, you know, what what do you think are the keys to – um, like what, I would say that going eight and eight would be a victory if we the next 16 games that that's how many job misses so I think it's kind of a target a lot of people have kind of hit on what do you think the keys would be for us to get into to at least eight and eight
1: you got to win the games that are winnable let's be, let's be real I mean they, they've they've dropped a few that they shouldn't have dropped and what's the target date are we going Wednesday December 29th at the the home game against the Lakers is that kind of the the mentality that people are using. Are we do in the beginning of the year. What what are we going with here?
0: I went with uh, I think beginning of January. I know we played the Kings two more times. We played the Thunder two more two more times, and then we got um, the Rockets and the Spurs in that stretch. So there's six games right there that okay. are that are your, your must wins.
1: You also have Toronto coming up. I think. I mean, I know that they it's Toronto winnable. just took care of business, but I think it, it is winnable. You got to win those games that are kind of toss ups, or you should be favored. in. they did a good job last night uh, beating Sacramento. Um, also you got to figure out your identity. I mean, there's three guys on the team that you could argue that could be the number two, and you got to figure out who you want that guy to be. You got Dylan. He wants to be the number two. Jaron should be the number two. And you got Desmond Bain, who's made a giant leap in his second year. And the Grizzlies are relying on him. He's making his shots. He's going out there. He's playing well, uh, on the offensive end. And he's quite possibly could be the number two. You got to figure out who's going to be your guy and let everybody else kind of figure out their role. And also, just because Jaws out of the rotation does not mean Taylor Jenkins needs to add another guy to the rotation. You don't need to start bringing somebody else off the bench and adding them because you have to keep 10, 11 guys deep in your rotation.
0: Now, you know good and well that when Sam Merrill comes back from that ankle injury, he is getting minutes. The (laughs) flamethrower, Sam Merrill, is getting minutes. (laughs)
1: He got. He could get minutes. I mean, if they're getting beat by forty, p- sure, put him in. Like, hey,
0: shout out Grayson Allen, by the way.
1: Yeah, two years ago, everybody's like, "Why is Grayson Allen playing so much? Why is Grayson Allen playing so much?" You know why? Because he's actually a good player. Like a you don't freaking
0: want- baller. Yeah, but you know what? It's worked out so far because Desmond Bain has been awesome. DeAnthony Milton's yeah. been Anthony Milton. just didn't have room for him. It, I mean, it it is what it is. Um, right. But good for Grayson. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. We don't need to expand the rotation. Um, keep keep who you got going in there. Just give some give more minutes. Give
1: more minutes to Zaire. Give more minutes to Brandon Clark. Give more minutes to those guys that have shown that they're able – they're 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 getting better. Like, as the season progresses, they're all getting better. Give them more minutes to develop even more. I know Brandon's older, but still.
0: You know, I, I reached out Keith to – He's converted
1: back to his rookie form.
0: I reached out to Keith over at Fast Break Breakfast one day. Uh, cause he's like the biggest D'Anthony Melton stand there is. And, uh, I told him, I said, Hey man, uh, the Grizzlies win 75% of their games, when D'Anthony Melton plays 28 plus minutes. And he goes, why are you telling me? Tell everybody else. So here I am. I'm telling you, give, give Melton more minutes. The Grizzlies are really good when he plays more minutes. And it's, it's just been a, it's like, it's been a thing with Melton on this team. Like Jenkins just refuses to, to make Melton the guy that gets more minutes sometimes. Um, I don't know what it is about it but 28 minutes seems to be a number for uh for melton and the grizz and then my favorite stat is that i've kept up with every game so far this year is you know the grizzlies have only lost once when jaron plays 30 minutes gets six rebounds and hits three threes that just means he's staying on the floor he's not in foul trouble and he hasn't been in foul trouble the last few games like he's it seems like things are really clicking with him because you know you brought up those two-point shots he was taking those shots early in the season they just weren't falling. Just yeah. And now he is. So but I he got... also
1: is not he's 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 working inside out. Yes. Instead of like beginning of the season, like he was getting those shots, but he was also felt like he was going outside in. Now he's yeah. going inside out, which keeps the defense on their toes. Like, you know, that that's when they actually lose Jaron and he has wide open threes and he can knock those down instead of having to rush it. When he rushes the three, it's not going in. When he has his time to get set, get a shot up. It's going in more times than it's not, or it's rattling around. It's like right there, there. and you yeah, get I, the rhythm. A few more down.
0: I watched him hit a three from the top of the key uh, last game, and I, and as soon as I saw him get his feet set before he even released, I was like, "That one's going in." Like you said, like he didn't rush it. Like he's able to get set, get balanced. I was like, "That's it. That's good." And he went in, and it's just if if the the D is afraid of him driving, it changes everything um if he proves that he can finish in there it's the same thing that everybody's always said with Giannis like Giannis would be unstoppable if he could start shooting some threes um well for Jaron, it's he'd be unstoppable if he could finish at the rim uh, and I think part of that is he's still in a young body that he's still trying to figure out and fill out um he's going to get stronger um you, you gotta understand that some of these guys they get so tall so young it's hard to be you know fully coordinated as well um so I think he'll be fine he'll get there uh were you in the arena? when when jaw went down yeah what was that like
1: um everybody you know when it happened it it was kind of the initial reaction was oh him and john college just bumped knees so you know some people i'm sure were like oh my goodness jaws injured when it first happened because you see him lump off and he just like took himself out of the game in the middle of a play he never does that like i've seen he's gotten clobbered at the rim and like it looked like he's fallen really hard and get pops right back up and taking himself out of the game you knew something was wrong you see the the replays people were worried you know non-contact like after we saw the replays we realized it wasn't a knee knock and it was just non-contact so there was the worry there and everybody was kind of like preparing themselves for the worst because in that instance like you immediately go to they knock knees he could be back in the game too oh no it's non-contact his ACL you know that's that's where it goes because we've seen it time and time again basketball football but you pointed out that uh, he grabbed the front of his knee so you thought it was the the meniscus which was a lot better timeline and then we get it was a knee sprain which is the best news really you could get out of all that because the timeline is a lot shorter and I think the rehab is a lot shorter time frame and I think he he can go back to being Ja again uh, quicker than he would with either of those other two injuries but the crowd, like that, was the best crowd of the season so far. Thanksgiving weekend, against the Hawks, you know, you got Trey Young there. Jaws commercial just released. That was the biggest crowd I've seen at FedEx Forum for a Grizzlies game, and the wind was taking out everyone's sails. They wanted to get it going, but like the team came out, even they were lackluster. I mean, they they were totally out of it. And then, you know, good for the Memphis crowd though. They stuck around, and when the the bench guys went in, they were they were. Cheering them on, and they were getting excited. Conchar, one point shy of a career high. And they were, they realized the game was out of hand, but they were just happy to see the bench come in and do a good job and not giving up. And I mean, it wasn't ever competitive, but you know, you cut it down to like I think 24, 25. I mean, it's not great, but the crowd was still into it. Like most of the crowd stuck around till midway through the uh, fourth quarter, which I was surprised because the result wasn't in doubt midway through the second quarter i mean atlanta just took over and it was it was it was ugly
0: yeah um you want some breaking news sure i'm always down for some breaking news it's not grizz related but uh brian kelly is ditching notre dame and go to lsu
1: <laughs> poor irish like that's crazy because there's still a small possibility that they could end up in the the playoffs
0: yeah, so now people think that Notre Dame was one of the, like, two or three jobs that Kiffin had on his list, so now I have to oh, be yeah. worried.
1: Well, that's what you get for throwing out Hypo to Oklahoma and <laughs> stirring that pot, so. I, I've, and as a Tennessee fan, I've already lived through the Kiffin, as a Raiders and a Tennessee fan, I've already lived through the Kiffin years twice. I love the dude. Like, I have no I have no problem with him. I'm always like, if you can get a better job than the one you have, you have to take it.
0: What kind of nightmare would Knoxville be if Heupel bounces to Oklahoma?
1: I mean, he's the one that's got to come back and play when they play in the SEC. And he was there firsthand when they saw what Kiffin – What happened go- to Kiffin's
0: so. More golf balls?
1: I don't know if it's golf balls. But, I mean, the thing is, is, like, Kiffin was actually – like, that was still when Tennessee was just – you know, two years, two or three years removed from a, an SEC championship game, like Tennessee football now hasn't done anything in the last decade. So, and I mean, people blame for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kevin would have built a contender at Tennessee. He was in the middle of building one, one year in. I mean, he had his dad as the defensive coordinator, legendary NFL defensive coordinator. Orgeron was there. I mean, he had. I mean, he had that staff at USC for a few years, but still. He was building a contender in Knoxville. There was no drop off. And then you get Derek Dooley. Derek Dooley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh,
1: hey, you know, by any means necessary, even if it is putting 15 men on the field.
0: As your resident GBB degenerates, Ben, tell us the interesting nugget you found when it comes to betting the Grizzlies.
1: Well, first off, I cannot really give you any advice on actually betting the games because I have no clue. Like, they're don't, losing about 40 to Minnesota it. and they're beating Utah. So yeah. I can't really say one way or the other, like, hey, take the Grizzlies in this game because of spread six or don't take them because of that. Like, but if you want to make some money, uh, I got to credit Gary Parrish and Eric Hasseltine with this first thing Is Gary pointed out that uh, Stephen Adams has won the most tips. Most jump balls in the NBA so far this season, highest percentage. So I went back and looked. Of the 20 games, Stephen Adams has won 14 of them. And by saying Stephen Adams has won 14 of them, that means the Grizzlies controlled the possession after the tip. There was another one in which, like, Miles Bridges controlled the tip, but a shot wouldn't take. And nonetheless, first field goal of the game. The Grizzlies have scored the first field goal of the game nine of 20 times. Desmond Bain, he's done it four times. The odds of him making the first field goal usually range between plus 800 and plus 1,000, plus 1,100. If you bet 10 bucks every game on Desmond Bain making the first field goal, you've you've bet $200, but you've won 400 back, so you've doubled your money, and you also get your bet back in that. You've won at least 120 if you get the plus 800. So if you want to bet something, put your money on Desmond Bain first field goal. Or Dylan Brooks' first field goal. So far, he's only played a handful of games, and he's hit the first field goal in two of those games. Jaron Jackson, he's done it twice. D'Anthony Melton's done it once. Those are the only Grizzlies that have made the first field goal of the game. John ja Morant, by the way, has the best odds. It's probably at like plus 450 a game, every game, because that's what they want you to take, because they think John ja leads the Grizzlies in scoring, so he's going to score the first field goal. It's not the case. It's been Desmond Bain four times out of 20 games. 20% of the time, Desmond Bain scored the first field goal of a Grizzlies game.
0: And, and That's my po- little tip for you. The point the point that you brought up was that, you know, it makes sense because, you know, the Grizzlies want to get Bain going early. Kind of like a J.J. Reddick effect. You want to get the shooter hot, you know, after warm-ups, get him out there, knock down a few. Um, so it does make sense that Bain is the guy that does it. Um, another interesting nugget, Jaws, your highest odds, but he's done it zero times. They're trying to take your money on him. Um, here's an interesting nugget. The Grizzlies are 0-3 when John Morant has 10 assists this season.
1: That is – that's crazy to me. That's insane. That is a crazy stat.
0: That is insane because that means you're getting your teammates involved and your teammates are knocking down shots and doing that. But uh, for whatever reason, that's just – in those games, it's not panned out to be that way. So it's a, it's one of those weird stats that don't make any sense.
1: It's got to be the close games, too, because they're pulling the starters out early if they're getting blown out of the building.
0: Yeah, it's weird. And it Well, it may not be the close games. It may be those games where Jaw came out a little passive the uh, scoring-wise um, and was, was looking for his teammates uh, early. Uh, let's see. It was the 11-point loss to the Pelicans, the 20-point loss to the Trailblazers, and then the three-point loss to the Lakers. So, one close loss and two bad ones okay so all right ben um been a good episode um anything you want to throw out there before we we close it out
1: no that that's about it i'm glad we got a little breaking news in there in the college football world uh it's good to get back at it you know it's, like i said like i said at the top it's been about a month so uh let's do this again next week
0: yes let's let's see <laughs> I, I should be good. I think most of our our games at Carterville are on Tuesdays, um, so Monday night shouldn't be an issue. We take off to go play Dyersburg uh, tomorrow night, uh, December eighth, next Wednesday. We will be in the FedEx Forum at one o'clock playing a game against Olive Branch High School. Um, so that'll be that'll be cool. I get to sit in the seats that uh, the players <laughs> and coaches are sitting in and, and coach a game. So nice.
1: Y'all get, uh, y'all get to, is it the game, the day of a Grizzly game? Like you get to stay, stick around or?
0: We get to go to the game that night too. So.
1: Where do you got to work back in the studio?
0: uh I don't have to work that one. I'm not working again until the 15th of December. That's when I'm working again.
1: Okay, cool. Well, good luck to you. And uh, I guess I'll probably see you then then.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely, uh, I mean, I, at 1 o'clock, I don't know if we get to hang out or they're going to kick us out and make us come back. I mean, we play at 1, so. I want to say that
1: they let you all back in. Like, if they kick you all out, they let you all back in because I'll see the, the teams uh, during shoot-around. Like, they're allowed in around, I mean, like, 5 o'clock maybe. They're they're in before, but they're not, like, too early. But I don't know how long they've been there, so.
0: Cool. Yeah, I'll come hang out with you and Eric for a minute. Cool. All right, man. Uh, for Ben, I'm Justin. This has been an episode of the Three and Pod.